University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. We'll take a look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse 28. And as you're turning there, let me introduce you to Eric Weimer. He's an adventurer. Uh, We've got a picture up here. This is Eric kayaking. This is Eric hiking. This is Eric climbing. Great. Wonderful. Now let me bring a little clarity into Eric's story. Eric is blind. On May the 25th, 2001, Eric became the first blind person to reach the summit of Mount Everest. In 2008, he climbed uh, the pyramids, Papua New Guinea, completing a seven summits of the highest places on each continent. He joined a select company of only 150 mountaineers who have accomplished this feat. Sometimes we don't have the vision to see where we are going and have the courage anyways to step out in faith to it. You see, sometimes it's difficult to see clearly where God is leading, both individually and collectively as a community. Obscurity and a lack of precise steps will often lead us into frustration and and miscues and confusion. And the journey of following Jesus together is not a shot in the dark. It's not a glorified guesstimation. Instead of following Jesus is an invitation into this ongoing process of discernment. Discernment is about collaboration, openness, of receptiveness, of creativity, and spiritual formation. And this 2020 vision that we kicked off last week is certainly not about certainty or precise outcomes. The 2020 vision is about faithfulness to God and to each other as a faith community. This 2020 vision is not a marketing ploy, but a profoundly spiritual invitation for each of us to bring our best selves to God and to this faith community as we try to exponentially grow into the capacity that we are able to to be the presence of Christ in Baton Rouge. And as we discern where God is leading, together we are invited to boldly step forward in faith. This week's conversation will focus in on our spiritual formation aspect of this 2020 vision. For this, we look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, I grew up in a house with three boys, and it is a testament to my mother's faith and fortitude that she did not murder all three of us. I don't know how she didn't do it, and for that, she is a saint. I mean, we weren't hellions. But literally, we are Halians, so that was used often in our house. All right. Sometimes we would do some of the dumbest things imaginable. I was just telling the Nomad Sunday School class last week about the time that us three boys had this cardboard barrel, um, and we thought it was a brilliant idea to take it to the top of our 15-foot treehouse 
and one of us get inside and push the other off. It was a great idea until my middle brother did it and got hurt, and then we all got in trouble for it. But the funny thing is about all the chaos that we got ourselves into, there was not a rat or a tattletale among us. That is, until we were threatened with having our rear ends spanked, and then all of a sudden we started confessing who had actually done all of these things and who was at fault. You see, no one likes a tattletale. And that's exactly what's going on with these two sisters. The first sister we learn about is is Mary. Mary is in the position of learning before Jesus. Luke reports that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, just taking in all that he has to say. We kind of get the idea that Mary is just soaking in everything that Jesus has to say, and he's speaking, she's, she's absorbing it, she's being shaped and molded by Jesus. And then we learn about Martha. Martha is hard at work in the kitchen. Martha is the one who opened her home to Jesus. She, she immediately offers hospitality. She welcomes Jesus and his disciples in. And then she busies herself with the preparation. You see, hospitality was a serious duty in Jesus' day because the failure to provide uh, to your guests was, was viewed as bringing shame upon your house. And so she's hard at work trying to make Jesus feel comfortable and welcome. And Mary is just sitting there with Jesus. I'm sure the list was getting checked off. I'm sure Martha's in the kitchen intentionally banging pots together, giving loud huffs and puffs to make sure she knows that everybody knows in there that she is frustrated. And there's nothing worse than working so hard and seeing someone sit around while you do it. In my mind, I picture Martha just, again, clanging those dishes together, making as much noise as possible, trying to hint to her sister, get off your rear end and get in the kitchen now. And finally, this comes to a boiling point. Martha can't bear the work alone, and so she comes out to Jesus, and she actually, in fact, gives a command to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do this by myself? Tell her to get up and to help me. If we're all honest, we get it. We live in a Martha's world, don't we? We've, we've got to get stuff done. There's no time to sit. We live in the busiest culture that's ever walked the face of the earth. Our schedules are booked. We're always in a rush. There's one more email to check, one more text to reply to. Don't you find that there's always some problem to solve, one more task to complete, one more thing to read, one more show to watch, one more app to open? And when we're picking up this one thing, we think about this other thing that we actually have to do. There's always the option of trying to juggle two things at the same time. The church lives in a Martha's world. There's the age-old saying that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. The Marthas in my room just said, preach, preacher. How often do we give of ourselves with the church through, through teaching, through volunteering, through attending this initiative? How often do we find ourselves in this committee and that committee, and then we look and we find someone else who's not in any of those things, and we think to ourselves, well, why are they just sitting there? It can be frustrating in a Martha's world. For others, we, we do this work out of a sense of of obligation. We feel that we need to give something back to God for, for the profound goodness that God has given us. For others, we work because we see that good things happen when we actually volunteer and give of ourselves. For most, we work because we know that Jesus has called us to. And what's fascinating about the story of Martha and Mary, it's a chapter all about working. 
before we get to this story, Jesus sends out the 72 to go do work. In the story right after our incident, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan about doing good work. So are we not called by Jesus to roll up our sleeves and get to work? And I want it to be stated that there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with being like Martha. Too often we read this text and we think Jesus is saying you shouldn't be doing these kinds of things. In fact, serving is one of the ways that many of us connect deeper to God because it is through serving that we sense a feeling of spiritual formation through our work. In fact, the church is compared to the body and the body is acting and moving, doing its work. And sometimes you feel like you're that overworked arm and you're looking over and you see the nose in the armpit not doing anything. And it can be frustrating when you see when Martha is doing important things, she's, she's doing the work that must get done. Serving like Jesus is, is something we are called to do. We live in a Martha's world, but there's a, a but in the story. It's a, and it's a big old but, and it comes in verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. What do you mean Mary has chosen what is better? Martha was probably thinking to herself. Don't you want to eat? Don't you want something to drink? Sitting here ain't going to get any of that done. See, how can Mary choose what is better when she's just sitting there? And the disciples and Jesus are are, they're going to want to have to eat at some point. And, and sitting there and relaxing doesn't get any of this done. So how are you going to get a plate of food, Jesus? How is Mary choosing what's better if I'm not in here doing what I'm supposed to do? Mary chose what's better? Get out of here with that. So why does Jesus and what he says seem so impractical? In reality, this has nothing to do with the work that Martha is doing. Instead, it's all about Martha's heart. It's an, an astonishing breach of etiquette that Martha embarrasses her sister, she embarrasses Jesus, and no doubt she's embarrassing herself in this moment. This power struggle of this sisterly level leads Martha craving to win Jesus' favor by pointing out that, that she is working so hard for him and Mary is doing nothing. You see, Martha realizes that, that whether or not she is bossing Jesus around, she is commanding Jesus to do something, to change something for her. She took this extraordinary opportunity to, to host Jesus of Nazareth, and she turned it into something negative. She took the blessings of serving Jesus and being formed by serving him, and she instead was frustrated and angry and resentful. You see, when Jesus tells Martha that Mary chose what's better, he's telling her that Mar Mary chose to be present in the moment. Let me be clear, it's not that Mary chose to sit and do nothing, and that's what she chose, and that's what was better. In fact, Martha could have chosen to be better and still do the work of hospitality. Instead, Martha's heart became consumed with the wrong thing. She chose to ignore her opportunity to be present with Jesus by being frustrated. Mary chose to be present with Jesus is an important act of hospitality, of listening and learning. She chose what's better a deeper spiritual connection to God. 
What is better is to sit in the presence of God. What is better is to, to find yourselves captivated by God's love and grace and mercy. What is better is to receive God's word, the very word that actually spoke life into existence, that calls us out of darkness and brokenness and obscurity and into life. What is better is to not spin our wheels with the worries and frustration of work, but to bask in the presence of God. What is better is is even in the midst of our hearts turning negative, to turn to God's word to allow us to turn back to what is hopeful. Mary chose what was better, to be in the presence of God. Mary chose to connect deeper to God. Mary chose to be transformed by Jesus in this moment. Now imagine for yourself, you're sitting in a nice restaurant. You've dressed up for the occasion. It's the kind of restaurant where there's real crystal. It's not that glass stuff. This is real silverware. Somebody's actually having to polish this stuff. And you open the menu and you're greeted with this overwhelming, dynamic, and eloquent variety of dishes. You see slow roasted filet mignon, seared lamb, a $10,000 bottle of wine, $50 cheesecake, all of these things on here. And the waiter steps up to you wearing his finely pressed shirt and tie and says to you simply, what will you be having for the evening? Said so poetically and humbly. And with the last glance of the menu, you close the menu, you hand it to the waiter and say, I'll have a bag of Doritos and a corn dog. See, I wonder sometimes if this is the spirituality that we want. The spiritual equivalent of Doritos and corn dogs. Is that really what we desire? Is, is that what we desire, what is quick and fast and easy and cheap and on the go? As one author put it, in theory, I know that spiritual growth is more than memorizing verses and showing up to church. I know that these are big questions that, that should be wrestled with and hashed out, and I simply must allow the tension of faith to shape and mold me. Yet all too often, I catch myself reducing the vibrant life of following Jesus into four spiritual hours of life, one and a half hours on Sunday and the remaining scattered sparsely throughout the week. But here's the thing, it just doesn't work. You see, this is the tendency of American spirituality. We want things in sound bites and easy red posts and cliche sayings that we can either throw up on the wall or have some sort of landscape picture with a quote on social media. We want shallow sermons and listening to Christian music as we ride in the car to church on Sunday morning. But God can't be manufactured in a book, in a blog post, in a video clip, in a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday worship practice. And what if that's not what God desires for us in the first place? What if God desires something so much more? What if God desires to give us a vibrant and beautiful and healthy and transformational spiritual journey? that brings restoration and well-being and transformation to our lives and to the world. And what does that look like? Well, Jesus teaches us this vibrant and beautiful spiritual journey through his life and his ministry and his teachings. Just look at the context of the chapter we are in in Luke alone. According to Jesus, a more vibrant and beautiful spiritual journey is not about our religiosity, that leads us past people in need on Sunday morning as we go into worship. Instead, it's about stopping and taking care of others sacrificially, even if that other person doesn't look like us. But who's heard of the parable of the Good Samaritan anyways? 
In surrounding chapters of, of Luke chapter 10, Jesus teaches us that healthy spirituality is about living simplistically and not beyond one's meaning. It's about depending on God's for life's necessity. It's about bearing through hostility and heartache with patient endurance. Transformational spiritual journey with God is about loving one's enemies and doing good to those who harm us. It's about blessing and praying for those who insult us and make our life a living hell. It's about asking about how we can give to others instead of how we can take away from others. A vibrant spiritual journey is about choosing to let love transform our lives instead of judgment and condemnation. It's at looking at someone who is broken and has messed up our lives and saying, I love you and I forgive you anyways. It's about giving to those who cannot pay us back and loving to those who are unable to serve you. Healthy spirituality is about humbly looking in the mirror and seeing our brokenness and seeking reconciliation with a God who lovingly desires to build us up and transform us into something new. Vibrant spirituality is about living in obedience and the way of the kingdom and having the humility to let the Spirit of God constantly change us and transform us into something new. Authentic spirituality is about cultivating a healthy and vibrant journey with God by living in the way of Jesus each day. But this doesn't come as a result of rigid religiosity or worshiping God more than just on Sundays or just reading the Bible or just praying all the time. So how do we cultivate this type of spiritual journey? One of my favorite moments every single day is the opportunity I have to cook for my family. And there's some profoundly and meaningful uh, spiritual uh, moments for me of, of cutting vegetables and meats and assembling them and the right combination of spices. You see, the best method of distributing spices is not to just throw it on top of stuff right when you're done cooking, but instead to allow water and oil and spices to simmer and boil, and then you add in your ingredients together. And I didn't just get this knowledge from just cooking one time. Instead, I had to learn and grow. There's some pretty disgusting meals that Jennifer could tell you about that happened very early on in our marriage. But there's something meaningful for me of, of practicing the discipline of, of, of marinating and, and, and taking care of what I'm making for my family. It's in the kitchen that I found a creative and meaningful way to meditate and to serve and to grow in the kitchen, I found a beautiful way to be formed by God. You see, oftentimes we miss out on the most simplistic moments each day to be formed by God, not just in prayer and scripture reading. And those things are so important for our spiritual development. There's a reason why every single church tells us that we ought to be immersing ourselves into God's word, that we ought to spend time daily with God in prayer. Those things do form us. But I wonder if you have other creative and meaningful ways that you have engaged in spiritual formation. You see, the beauty of technology nowadays that, is that we can challenge and grow as we are on the go, whether that be exercising or traveling to work or working in the yard or preparing a meal at home. Why not listen to a, a book or a podcast that will challenge our understanding of, of God, of how God functions in the world, of what kind of life God desires for us to live? If you're a person who uh, likes to express yourself through writing, why not take up the art of, of journaling each day of how you are seeing God at work in your life and in the world? Do you love nature? Why not practice the art of prayer walking, of taking in the beauty of God's creation and pausing to give thanks for all the things that you see and you hear? 
If you're an artist or a craftsman, how is not the art of practicing working with your hands an opportunity to, to meditate in silence on the greatness and goodness of God? Do you love photography? As one author put it, cultivating a deeper significance behind your photography is a spiritual practice. It's adapting the monastic practice of Lectio Divina, sacred reading, in the form of Visio Divina, sacred seeing. As Lent quickly approaches, we have the opportunity to find something that we function and use each and every day and choose not to do that thing for 40 days and instead fill that time with meditation on God. What are some of the creative ways that you have been formed and shaped by God outside of these traditional ways that we always feel rigid religiosity around. You see, spiritual formation is not just about sitting in a room by yourself and reading God's word. It's about rethinking how we approach each day, reducing the noise of our life and seeing the divine in each moment. And the classical disciplines take up unique and creative and meaningful new forms through our unique personalities and the daily path we take. You might be able to find new and creative ways to use solitude, solitude and silence and fasting and Sabbath and service and meditation and worship and confession and reflection and praying scriptures and writing conversations with scriptures and celebration and on and on. But the last thing I want us to see from the text this morning is that spiritual formation is not just a solitary practice we do on our own, but instead, spiritual formation is an act of community. It is within our life together as a church that we help each other grow profoundly in beautiful and fulfilling and remarkable life-changing ways. It's in the church community that we have the opportunity to listen deeply, to speak intentionally, to pray continually, to delve deep into God's word together, to teach each other, to serve beside one another, to become more together. And as a faith community, we are trying to facilitate opportunities for each of us to grow in our journey together. At first glance, spiritual formation on Sunday morning just seems like just another thing to add to our busy schedules especially when there's a 7 p.m. kickoff the night before. Yet this one-hour initiative that we commit to on Sunday mornings from 9 to 10 o'clock is an intentional time to form community with other people, to be in a safe space with others who love you, to, to pursue one another, to challenge one another, to, to refine one another. We also look at other opportunities we have throughout the week. If you're a retired or stay-at-home parent on Tuesdays throughout the year, we have a Bible study led by Martha Forbes. On Wednesdays after lunch, once per month, we offer a theology and philosophy conversation group. For over a year now, twice per month, we offer off-limits conversations on Wednesday. This is intended to be a safe space where you can wrestle with difficult questions about God and life and how all this works. You see, it's engaging in deep spiritual conversations that help nudge us out of our projected and prescriptive faith and into a dynamic and owned faith. In the month of February, we are introducing a new spiritual formation opportunity on Wednesdays. For adults and children, it centers on relevant and meaningful conversations of life and faith through small groups and conversations. It's intended to be a space of authentic community and prayer and support and growth. We too offer connect groups as a space of spiritual formation through the, through the ministry of community. What a marvelous place to gather with other people through like interest, whether your like interest be underwater basket weaving or, 
or some sort of book club. You see, it's in sharing life together that we are willing to engage in real and meaningful conversations that form us into something new. We are a faith community seeking to provide real and authentic ways to grow in our faith journey individually and collectively as a community. From our scripture this morning, we see that Jesus is inviting us into a remarkable journey of formation. And through the 2020 vision, we are seeking to be a faith community that connects each member to a spiritual formation group, whether that be on Sunday mornings or a group throughout the week. And as we continue to discern God's leadership around spiritual formation, may we enter into collaborative partnership of openness and receptivity and and creativity and spiritual formation. May we boldly step forward, not into exact certainty or precise outcomes, but bold faithfulness to God and to each other as a faith community.